Hello, and welcome to The Crude Report, Argus's podcast series on global oil markets. This is Jessica Tran for Argus Media. I felt like we were just saying goodbye to 2020, and although so much has happened this year, it feels like 2021 flew by. And I would venture to say that perhaps OPEC Plus members feel the same way, having met much more frequently than usual to discuss market conditions. With me for this last episode of 2021 is Nader Italian, our Mideast Gulf editor, who will give us a preview of the next OPEC Plus meeting on January 4th. Hi, Nader. Thanks for joining me and Happy New Year. Thanks, Jessica. Happy New Year to you, too. I have to admit that I'm having some holiday haze. I recall that the last meeting was eventful, to say the least. What was it exactly that OPEC and its partners agreed on? No worries, Jessica. I'm always a fan of reminders. So in terms of what was decided in early December, OPEC and its non-OPEC partners, they got together and they opted once again to stay the course and stick to the script and sanction yet another 400,000 barrel per day increase in its collective production quota for January. And that's despite, you know, and this is this was a surprising element, you know, some concern in the market that it might actually be too much, you know, given the emergence of the new Omicron variant of COVID and the impact that it could have on demand. And also, you know, the announcement that had come out just over a week earlier of a coordinated SPR release by several key consumer countries, you know, led, of course, by the U.S. That was the fourth time that OPEC plus ministers met and confirmed that particular course of action since they agreed on the this kind of extended roadmap or, or plan that they put together in July that laid out how they want to return all that production that took off the market last year in May in response to COVID. Now, what is that roadmap? Just I'm sorry, I'm, I, like I said, I like refreshers, but <laughs> what is that roadmap? So OPEC and its non-OPEC partners, they essentially set out, they've set out now to bring back 400,000 barrels per day to the market every single month from August through until April 2022, and 432,000 barrels per day from May 2022 onwards. And that's until they bring sort of all of those volumes that they took off the market back. These now monthly meetings that they have, they allow the ministers to sort of sit down, decide whether or not any changes are need to be made to the plan. And if no changes are made and they continue to unwind the cuts as planned, they'd in theory be able to bring back all the crude they took off by September. Now, although they sort of had taken this kind of decision before, that time it was a little bit different. Um, that time, given all the uncertainties that existed, you know, at, at the time that they actually met, there was this line in the post-meeting communique which said essentially that the meeting had, you know, not ended. The, the group said that the meeting would sort of, quote, stay in session and ministers would continue to monitor the market and essentially be ready to make immediate adjustments to policy if required. This was something that most people had never seen before at OPEC or OPEC Plus. I mean, I certainly hadn't. And delegate sources were telling us sort of during and after the meeting that this idea and this wording in particular of keeping the meeting in session, it was sort of a Saudi-driven initiative or idea. And it, it was put in as a kind of safety net or buffer, you know, just in case things go south, to sort of show the market that OPEC Plus was keeping its hands firmly on the wheel. Okay, so with the haze fading a bit, what has happened since? So did the group ultimately have to act on that or is the meeting technically still in session? So luckily, no. The the sort of initial price reaction to the decision was fairly good. Oil prices actually rose a little bit in the immediate aftermath. And, you know, Brent, it's it's 
pretty much held in what is a fairly acceptable, you know, 70 to 76 dollars per barrel. It's held in that band uh, ever since. Had prices have fallen to, you know, below 70 and stayed there for a while, it may have forced the OPEC group's hand a bit. But, you know, with the US and others involved in this coordinated SPR release that I mentioned, this plan, with them signaling that the release will be, you know, gradual and, and at least early indications point to a relatively muted impact of Omicron on, on demand, you know, despite the high transmissibility and things. OPEC Plus ultimately thought it was acceptable to just leave the market to its own devices, per se. I mean, to be perfectly honest, even if they'd taken a decision in the third week, say, of December, it arguably would have been, you know, already too late to impact, say, January loadings. I mean, those would have already really been locked in. And moving to next week's meeting, what are the things to look for and what can we expect? Right. So when we're looking to next week, I mean, things have changed a little bit in that OPEC Plus is going into those meetings, you know, the OPEC Plus meeting on January 4th under a lot more, shall we say, favorable conditions. Brent has retreated close to $10 per barrel since the late October high, and there's a lot less pressure on OPEC Plus from, say, the US and other consumer countries to sort of act one way or another. At least on the surface, there just seems to be less of political flavor, shall we say, to this month's meeting. I mean, there's still a generous helping of uncertainty out there, though, you know, in terms of Omicron and the, the effect it, should, it could have, which we should never discount. Now, in terms of what to expect, it's still early days in that there's still around one week to go before the meeting and, and OPEC watchers in particular will know how much could happen in a day, let alone a week. But from the conversations we've had with delegates so far, there's an overwhelming sense that the group is sort of very likely to once again stay the course and agree on another 400,000 barrels per day hike in its collective output quota for February. What we're told is that the main issue that OPEC and its technical teams will likely be focusing on in that January 4th meeting is, is, you know, the Omicron variant of COVID and what impact it'll ultimately have, what real impact it'll have on demand going forward. When we look at the latest numbers, we're seeing a very clear surge in new COVID cases across the globe, with much of that really being attributed to this new variant. But the positive thing is that for the first time, this new wave of cases, it hasn't really been kind of accompanied by a wave of higher hospitalizations or deaths, which you have to say is almost certainly down to the vaccines and now booster shots that that are being given in many parts of the world. And when it comes to oil demand, I mean, we're definitely seeing some impact on jet fuel as some countries introduce restrictions on travel to and from certain destinations. But all in all, the response it doesn't look like it's going to be anything close to the kind of thing that we saw with, say, Delta or other variants. And, and that's what will most likely be behind the decision whether to stick or twist. And so are all of the members now on the same page? So as I said before, when it comes to OPEC and OPEC Plus, you should never really discount a last minute surprise. But as of now, and from where I'm standing at least, I'd say yes. I mean, all signs seem to be pointing to a fairly straightforward OPEC Plus meeting, particularly when you take into account where prices are at the moment and the state of the market. You'd have to argue that most OPEC Plus countries will be pretty happy with the status quo. Okay, so finally, I understand we're getting a two-for-one deal in January. We're set to have not just an OPEC Plus meeting, but also a separate OPEC meeting. I know that happened in early December, but why the two sessions? 
That's right, yeah. So under normal circumstances, we don't really be preparing at this point for an OPEC plus meeting, you know, bringing together the OPEC ministers and non-OPEC ministers. But OPEC is now in the middle of having to determine a successor for its current secretary general, Mohammed Barkindo, as his second and final three-year term is ending next summer. His tenure began in June 2016, so he's now looking at another six months in office, roughly. The issue was raised at OPEC's last ordinary meeting in early December. So going into that meeting, there was only really one contender for the post, and that was uh, Kuwait's former OPEC governor, Haitham al-Reis, who acted as the very first chairman of the OPEC Plus Joint Technical Committee, or JTC, which typically sort of studies market conditions ahead of the ministerial OPEC Plus meetings. Delegates at that meeting last month, they told us that al-Reis had received strong support from Saudi Arabia, which is as we know, incredibly important, but also from several other delegations. And there was an intent actually to push forward and just take a vote there and then on the issue. But delegates told us that Iraq stood in the way of that vote on the day. They were insisting that there should be an opportunity, a window, let's say, for other countries to put forward their own candidates. Delegates told us that member countries had actually until December 15th to put forward any other candidates. So it was decided then that OPEC would hold an extraordinary meeting in January ahead of the 4th January OPEC Plus meeting to address this particular issue and take a vote. But fast forward to today, I mean, that deadline came and went without any other candidates doing so or being put forward. So in theory, we're going into the OPEC meeting scheduled for 3rd of January with the path pretty clear for Haitham al to become OPEC Plus's next secretary general. I mean, some delegates have said that there always remains a chance that some nominees may get put forward at the very last minute or even at the meeting itself. But I mean, given that a deadline was set and all the countries agreed to that deadline, you'd have to say that that outcome looks pretty unlikely at this point. Okay, thanks so much for your time, Nader. Pleasure, thanks for having me. If you're in need of oil-related news more frequently than in these weekly podcast series, look into our Argus Global Market Service. More information can be found on our website at www.argusmedia.com. And before we sign off for the year, on behalf of the Argus family, I wanted to wish you and all of our listeners a very happy new year.